Well, I first uh, learned to drive a lawnmower. And the very first time that I did was one of the best and almost one of the worst moments of my entire life. Now, all through high school, I uh, used lawn mowing as the way that I made money. I uh, had about three or four, depending upon the season, uh, lawns that I would mow. Back then, it was an acre and a half for me, and I was getting about $35 a lawn. So as you can imagine, that was a pretty good uh, deal for a uh, teenager. But it all started out one day when my dad in middle school came to me and said, I was ready to learn how to drive this, this silver beast, the Craftsman uh, 2, the 12.5 horsepower with a 42-inch deck uh, riding lawnmower. Now, what a thrill that was for me. It was just the side of driving a car or doing go-karts, except I had access to that driving around in my own backyard. I was so excited to learn uh, how to drive this thing back in the uh, early 80s, uh, maybe the mid-80s. I was excited to learn about how to drive this thing and, and how to deer, uh, do gear control, how to shift and how to break and, and use that, how to go in reverse. I was on top of the world when I sat on top of this thing. It was the biggest thrill of my life. And of course, my dad, being the smart man that he was, he started me out slow. He said, okay, put it in second gear and you get to do second gear all around the yard. And that's what I got to do, driving around second gear around the yard for several laps. Uh, of course, then as I did well with that, I was allowed to engage the mower the blade was able to start. I could feel the power as the blades roared to life underneath the deck. And so then dad said, all right, you can increase the speed up to four, uh, level four, which was just under the supersonic speed of like five. I mean, this was, I was moving really, really fast. And so step by step, slowly by slowly, I was learning how to control this, this silver monster. And through this, I experienced how, or I learned how to not cut corners and leave grass in the corners and how to mow in straight lines and not wavy lines. Uh, the sun was shining out on that morning. I can remember the, the wind was blowing through my hair as I was on top of this thing. And I rode around the yard at a, at a whopping three miles an hour. Um, I loved it. I, I really did. And the day went really, really well. It went really well until I had a question for my dad. I don't remember to this day what the question was, but I remember I had to ask my dad a question. And so I'm, I'm going around the lawn and I, I knew I had to go ask him. So I broke away from the line of, of, of mowing the lawn and I headed towards the garage doors. And, and what happened next is still kind of foggy for me. If you ask my dad, he can tell you with, with absolute accuracy and detail what exactly happened. He's recounted this over the years for me many, many times, but um, he said he heard me before he saw me. He heard me coming around the side of the house, and the next thing he knows, I'm whipping around the side of the house at this top speed of four. Uh, with the blades still running, mind you, I cross over uh, the threshold of the garage into the garage. So I'm running straight into the garage. My dad was doing some work in his shop in the garage, and, and so it's a standard garage, and so I went barreling into the garage. The blades are going. I bounce over. I, I remember that um, I, I was thinking, What's my dad saying as he was waving to me like this? I was thinking, what was it that I had to ask him? And then, uh oh, how do I stop this thing? As I was going, I couldn't remember how to stop. And so I, I, I went barreling into the garage. I rode over a, a carpet square that my dad had. I ripped that to shreds. And I'm coming towards him. And so here's the wall. And here's my dad. And here's me coming at him like this. And so I finally, with literally one foot before I crashed into the back wall of the thing, I found the brake and I was able to hit it, but not before my dad had to jump out of the way, crashing through bikes and everything else so that he could survive. That was the first 
and the last time I drove that tractor for a while. Uh, my father got up, took the keys, did not say a word to me, and just walked away. And I have a feeling it's probably because if he had said anything at that moment, it was not going to be good. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a harrowing experience like that, but if you had, you know it's one that always stays with you. And as we approach this second week of this theme, A Better Way, um, I'm reminded uh, that life is a lot like my first time on that tractor. We start out as children uh, moving into adulthood. We're excited. We're looking forward to the adventure that is before us. And yet we're also probably a little nervous because it's unknown. There's this thrill of independence that is set before us, it's in front of us. Maybe a little bit danger, too. And then we have life experiences. We experience life as we grow up. And these life experiences happen to us and we take control of them. And we start to feel like we have control of this thing called life. We learn some tricks along the way. We navigate the road to life when we learn when to turn, when not to turn, how to slow down, when to apply pressure, when to ease off. And we find that life is not too bad. We can do this thing. But then something happens that throws us for a loop. We have a question in life. All of a sudden there's a question, something we don't have the answer to, something we're not in control of. And at that moment, it's usually when our, anxi and our, our anxieties, our worries, our fears, they start bubbling up. And instead of slowing down to get our bearings, we charge ahead. We just keep going. Sometimes we even speed up because we don't know what else to do. You feel overwhelmed by all you have to do in a given day. There's not enough time to get everything done. And so your response is to just add pressure by adding to do more. You, you push harder. You, you try to squeeze more out of every single day. You figure out how to multitask. You add more and more to your plate because more and more is being asked of you. And you just start figuring out how to do it all. And at some point, at some point, maybe you think, maybe I need to go ask somebody for help. But by the time you deviate from your path, you are set on a collision course and you feel like you are flying out of control. You're moving so fast in a wildlife that is out of control and it's so hard for you, you can't even look down to find the break. You don't know how to stop, even if you could. If we're honest, most people feel this way most of the time. We feel rushed and not just rushed, we feel disappointed in life. The speed we're moving at not only can be dangerous for us, but we feel disappointed because we're missing something. Something's missing. Have you ever felt like something's missing from your life? Like life is just too busy. Like there's no time to do everything that you would love to do because you have to do all these other things that you have to do. Life's not, to be this, life's not supposed to be this way is, is what you think, and there has to be a better way of doing life. There has to be a better way of doing life. And there is. There is a better way of doing life. But before we can learn what that better way is, we have to realize that the greatest enemy of the life that you want may very well be the life that you're living. Hear me say that again. The greatest enemy of the life that you want might very well be the life that you are currently living. The title for today's message is When You Are Too Busy for What Matters. And before we go any further, I'd like to ask you to pray with me. Let's pray. 
Father, I pray for each and every one of us here. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this day. We invite you into this message. Lord, I pray that you would slip through my words, that you would speak into the hearts of every person here. Help us, Lord, as we get our priorities aligned right in a better way. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. About a year ago, I'm sorry, not a year ago, but a year into our time of quarantining with COVID-2019, I remember talking with some friends of mine. We were about a year into the whole process, and if you think back to that time in our lives, the shock of the pandemic had given way to the grind of the pandemic. We were exhausted from fear. We were exhausted from change. We were exhausted from adapting. Every time we turned around, we were exhausted from fighting. We were just exhausted. But as I listened to people's stories about a year into our time of COVID, as I listened to stories from from people that I met, from from the guys in my group that that I'm mentioning on Wednesdays, the the congregation from you all when I listened to you, when I listened to the, the community at large, I was hearing about this silver lining that was poking its way through COVID. And the silver lining that I was hearing from various pockets of people, but it was all the same thing, was people were starting to learn how to slow down. They were learning how to slow down. We couldn't go anywhere or do anything, and so people were forced to slow down. Some people, not all, but some, took that as an opportunity to to reconnect with themselves. They found that they'd come to the end of themselves, and they were reconnecting with themselves. They were reconnecting with their families. They were reconnecting with their friends. And so even though we couldn't travel, that slower pace helped people look for ways to be healthier in the way in which they lived, even though we were living under a pandemic with COVID. And I remember saying to several people, you know, when the restrictions are all done, when when COVID starts to ease up, when it starts to be released and we can start going back to our lives, I wonder how long it's going to take for us to move to the collision speed that we were moving at before COVID even started. How long is it going to take for people to get back to that breakneck speed we were at before? On March 7th of this year, not seven months ago, maybe a little over seven months, the mask mandate was lifted in New Jersey seven months ago. Think about how much your life has returned to breathtaking speeds since then in seven months. We all have places to be. We have jobs to do, bills to pay. We have kitchens to clean. We have kids to raise, grandkids to raise. We have news to read, yards to mow, dinner to cook, sporting events to attend, clothes to buy, laundry to fold and wash, laundry to wash and fold, laundry to wash and fold. It never stops. We have photos to take. We have to jot about that on social media. We have to watch that soul-numbing Netflix series. We have so much to do. The pace of life keeps getting faster and faster. It's almost as if we feel like we're fearing that we missed out on stuff during COVID, and so we're trying to make up for that in our time now. And yet we never seem to have time for the things that we want to have time for. Things like family meals or deep conversations with friends. We don't rest or make time for reflection. We don't read the Bible or find intimate time with God. We don't seek that quality time with our Lord. What we do is we just say, we just don't have any time. 
That's what we say. We say we don't have any time. But then again, perhaps the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life that you're currently living. In this study, A Better Way, we are not just looking at what Jesus said and what he taught, but we're looking at the way Jesus lived. The way he did what he did while he walked on this earth has so much to teach us. It has as much to teach us as what Jesus said while he was here. In this study, A Better Way, we're not just looking at what he said, but the way he lived. And when you read through the Gospels, you, it's fascinating to think, let's think of all that Jesus did in his three years of ministry. He only had three years of ministry, Jesus. In three years of public ministry, and in that time, he received the will of his heavenly Father, and then he went out and he found 12 disciples, and he taught them. He found this ragtag bunch of men, this motley crew that he gathered together from all walks and levels of life. And he gathered them together and he taught them about his father's kingdom. He trained them what they were going to need in order for them to prosper in time. And all the while he was training his disciples, he endured the criticism of the Pharisees, the hatred of the Pharisees. He resisted temptation from the devil. He healed all sorts of people. He loved all sorts of hurting people. He preached the word fearlessly, and he went from town to town to town, and he fulfilled 351 Old Testament prophecies. That's what Jesus did in three years. And in all that he did, he never ran once. Not once. The Gospels never record Jesus hurrying fast or moving too quickly. There's no record that he ran. He didn't move fast. He didn't push his disciples to be faster or to be more efficient. He didn't create programs or systems to get more done. Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. He was never rushed. In the Gospel of Mark, we read uh, that there's this phrase, and you'll see this over and over. And I just want you to say the first three words out loud with me of this phrase. Would you say this with me? As he walked along. Say that with me again. As he walked along. In case you missed it, let's say it one more time. As he walked along, Jesus. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. As he walked along, Pastor Craig uh, Groeschel, who first did his, this series, A Better Way, with his church, he had this to say about Jesus and Levi. He said, as I thought about this story, it occurred to me that if Levi followed an unrushed Jesus, then Levi himself would have had to have been unrushed. He would have had to live an unrushed life. And then Craig thought about us, and he said, if we're to follow an unrushed Jesus, we have to live an unrushed life. As Jesus was walking by, he said to Levi, come follow me. And Levi said, okay. And he got up and he moved. The pace of our life is not unrushed. If you find yourself always rushed, always stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted at the end of the day, trying to get everything done, you are also probably feeling that you're also falling short at times, that you're missing the mark. Anybody ever felt that way? And if you feel this way, you're in good company. You're in good company. But Jesus has an answer, and he invites all of us to come to him. In another passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 11, 
verses 28 through uh, 39. Here I'm going to read, uh, not from the NLT, but I want to hear it from the message translation, which is like a contemporary explanation. Here's what the message says. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, says Jesus. Learn the unfolding rhythms of God's grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting be put upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. To the rushed, to the stressed, to the overwhelmed, exhausted person, Jesus says, get away with me, and you will recover your life. Walk with me. Watch how I do life. If the greatest enemy of the life you want is the life that you're living, a better way to live is not to, just to believe what Jesus said, but to live the way that he lived. So how did Jesus live? He was present in the moment. Jesus didn't rush. He didn't run through life. He was present in the moment. Read through the Gospels. You will see Jesus listened to people. He saw their needs when he was with them, and he was with them, present in the moment. I have to be honest, there are probably a lot of people and a lot of needs that I miss on a daily basis because I'm rushing too fast. How about you? Years ago, someone said to me, they said, did you know that God moves at three miles an hour? <laughs> I said, what? Is this a joke? Is that a riddle? God moves at three miles an hour? And they said, no. I said, why three miles an hour? Because that's the average speed of a human gait. The average human being walks at about three miles per hour. And that's how fast God will move in your life. He doesn't want you lagging behind. God's not going to move at one mile an hour, and he's not going to move at 10 miles an hour. God moves at the same pace of life as you. But he walks as the human being was meant to walk at three miles an hour. Jesus walked. And so if we learn to walk just as Jesus walked, we will see the needs of people around us, and we will learn to be present in the moment. Jesus didn't rush, but he also chose to do what was most important and eliminate the things that are less important. How much of your day is spent on unimportant or mindless tasks? Unimportant or mindless tasks. I can tell you that as, as of this year, the latest statistic, 2022, the average, the average, so of course there'll be more and less, but the average time spent on social media is 147 minutes a day. The average time per day, that's 2.5 hours of your day given to social media. We are the most connected, most technologically advanced, we are the most efficient that we've ever been in history. And yet, we have
have no time. That should send red flags up for us. Living the way Jesus lived means that we choose what's most important in life, and that's what we do. We eliminate the tasks. We eliminate the events. We eliminate maybe even some of the people who steal our time. We have to do that in order to live the way that Jesus lived. Jesus didn't rush. He focused on what was most important, and he sensed God's presence. He sensed God's presence. He knew how not to rush and what was most important because he let God lead him. My friend and pastor, Steve McClellan, is a third-generation pastor. His grandfather was a pastor, his father uh, is a pastor, and Steve is uh, a pastor. He's actually a friend of mine in Hackensack. He's the pastor of Hackensack Presbyterian Church. And Steve's dad, he shared this with me once, he said, Steve's dad used to have a saying, if you don't know what to do, don't do it. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. The answer will come. The answer will come. Waiting is part of the spiritual journey. Wow. Waiting is part of your spiritual journey. We don't like to wait. None of us like to wait. But waiting is part of our spiritual journey. And learning to wait teaches us to depend on God, which is what Jesus did. It's the way that Jesus lived. Now, you might be thinking through this whole message, yeah, okay, Pastor Doug, it's all great, but you're talking about Jesus. He's God's son. <laughs> He's got the patience of a saint. He's got God on his side. He's Jesus. Well, you know, how am I supposed to do any of these things that you're talking about? Well, what if every day, every day this week, you woke up and you made the time to talk to God? What if you woke up and you made time to talk to God? Just a minute. Nothing about the way that Jesus lived is impossible for us. Nothing the way Jesus, anything I've just said, none of the way that Jesus lived is impossible. So what if you woke up and said the following prayer? What if you said, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply? One sentence. But what if you woke up and you said, God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus and love people deeply. What if that was the first prayer that started your day? How might that discipline of waking up and following that routine help to slow you down, to put that as the first thought in your brain? Could you try to walk through life this week at three miles an hour? Could be the toughest thing you do all week long. Walking at three miles per hour. What if all of us did that? What if this community, those of us here, those of you listening, what if all of us took time to walk at three miles an hour this week? What a difference would that make in our community if we all walked with God this week? Is there a better way to live? There is. There is a better way to live. And the solution is not adding more time. Because if you gave me more time at my current speeds, all I would do is just eat it up. I'd burn it up. The, the, the time is not, oh, I wish I had more time in my day. That's not going to solve anything because I know me. You know you. You're just going to use it up. The solution is to spend more time on what matters most. You have time for what you choose to have time for, and a better way will be found when we slow down, when we walk with God, when we listen for his voice, and we stop mindlessly spending our time on the things that don't matter. 
And so this week, don't chase a life that leaves you empty and frustrated. Walk in step with Jesus. Make a decision today to say that prayer. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people deeply and see if God doesn't show up this week and show you a better way to live. Amen. Let's pray. God, what I am saying, the words that are coming out of my heart or out of my mouth are truly, they are truly words that come from you. And I say that because these are not words that I want to do or know how to do without your Holy Spirit guiding me. Lord, I move way too fast and I believe that we all move way too fast. And so, Lord, we pray that today you would help us to be a people who is unrushed, who walk at the pace of Jesus who learn how to do that, who are allowed to be busy and get things done, but not move so fast that we are rushed and we miss the important things in life. Lord, we pray that you would help us to set our our sights and our priorities, line them up aright so that they match up with your word. And thank you, God, that you model for us, not just through the words of the Bible that tell us what we are to believe and how we are to, uh, to understand our faith with you, but also, Lord, the way that we can live our lives in such a way that it honors you and it brings the most life to each and every one of us. God, we ask for your grace as we embark on this journey. We ask, God, that you would help us, that you would give us strength, you would give us the discipline that we need, and you would help us to um, understand that what we are doing is, uh, is to help us be better people so that we can go out into the world and share uh, the love of Jesus with others from a healthy place. Uh, we pray, God, for this better way Uh, to be ever before us. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.